This is episode 61 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Maureen, welcome back. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Maureen, I got some troubling news from our last episode. People were not pleased with my opinions on Clueless. Well, I kind of agreed with you, so they must not have been pleased with my opinions either. I heard a lot of people say, I can't believe you didn't like that movie. You guys, you it. need to rewatch it. It's just a little slow movie. I did have one person say they rewatch it every year and they still don't understand my take. So maybe it is something you have to have watched yeah. when you were younger and then continued to watch without any sort of change because I think otherwise. It's the nostalgia factor. Yeah, because it's not great, guys. Sorry, I said it again. I doubled down. I doubled down. Well, honey, people can agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Let's jump right into the snack bag. We got some interesting topics this week. Unfortunately, we have to start with a, a, another racist person out there. Oh, no. Yeah, Saturday Night Live hired someone who is unfortunately a little bit racist, it seems. They hired a guy named Shane Gillis, and people did some digging, and in some of his old podcasting, he used some inappropriate terms, racist terms for Asian people, and now people are trying to say, should he be fired? Should he keep his job? I guess I have to take a step back, because it's not just about leaving it on all these platforms, because... That's bad in and of itself. But the fact that people say this stuff in the first place is just terrible. Why did he say it? I don't know. You have to assume that's what he really thinks or that he really just looks down upon this particular race of people. And the thing that's that awful. I, the thing that I wanted to read was his apology, because this is one of the worst apologies that I've ever heard for someone who's put out something. You know, most of the time when people get caught with, you know, an old tweet or something that comes back up, they they make a full apology. Well, this is the apology this this person, Shane Gillis, wrote on Twitter. He said, quote, I'm a comedian who pushes boundaries. I sometimes miss. If you go through my 10 years of comedy, most of it bad, you're going to find a lot of bad misses. I'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything I've said. My intention is never to hurt anyone, but I am trying to be the best comedian I can be, and sometimes that requires risks. Okay, so that's just not an apology. That's not an apology. It's terrible. An apology is when you say, I did something wrong. This was really stupid. I'll never do it again. Right. This was a non-apology. And the worst thing is, is that if you look through the replies to the tweet, you see a lot of Asian people who are responding to this saying, you're totally missing the point. You're you're offending an entire race of people. So the other part of this is that the other person, one of the other people they hired for this season of Saturday Night Live is an Asian person. So I don't know what they're going to do. This is not a good look for Saturday Night Live. We already talked last year about how the show is really not that funny, and this is not going to do anything to help them along. But it's unfortunate that this kind of stuff happens a lot of the time, especially with people who have a platform to be better. Should we move on to our next snack pack topic? This one is is much more lighthearted. Zoe Deschanel, you know her? Yes. She is dating. Are you ready for this? Yes. One of the property brothers. <gasps> what? She's dating Jonathan Scott. So the other one, yeah, Drew Scott, married. he's married. And I guess they're on hiatus from their, their music career. Remember we talked about that, that they're that they are musicians the Scott now. Scott Brothers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick so, a career, Scott Brothers. So he is apparently dating Zoe Deschanel. Isn't that weird? That's very weird. You know, I always thought about the Property Brothers just being very stuck on HGTV, but now he's dating someone who is pretty popular actress. It just seems like they're crossing over. I guess they are squarely in pop culture, but it just seems weird to me yeah. that, that he would be able to date someone who is really much more successful than he is. 
and much more talented at and that. Much prettier. <laughs> much better looking too. Well, I don't know. You know what? It's not all about love. Is not all about looks or success. And there's odd matches. I mean, it's not that odd of a match. They're both famous. Yeah, I guess so. Do you think he he saw her her apartment or her house for the first time, and he just thought I can knock down that wall? <laughs> open <laughs> concept. O- open concept. And we could we could really do something in this bathroom here. We could uh, take out the tiles, put in new tile, you know, whatever new vanity here. Do you think he has to resist the urge to do that, or is that like his job so he doesn't talk about it off the job? Well, I mean, we both work in marketing, and we don't come home and think like. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We watch commercials sometimes, and we think someone sat around a table. Yeah, but we don't like see someone say something and think I could have rewritten that or like something like that. Well, you don't. Maybe oh. <laughs> I do. Maybe sometimes I do, do secretly you? in my. I don't. Okay. No. So maybe yeah, he can leave it at the office. I just thought this was funny because there's a picture of him holding hands with Zoe Deschanel, and it just looks very out of place. Yeah, yeah, they're an odd pair to me, but you know what? If they're happy, I say yay. So our next snackback topic is a, a sad, a sad topic. Uh, the singer Eddie Money has passed away at the age of seventy. He had cancer. He's probably most famously known for his song "Take Me Home Tonight." really sad that he passed away i didn't realize this but he did not start as a singer he started sort of like in an office job when he was 19 or 20 and he quit his job and he told his dad i'm gonna go pursue music and his dad said don't do that you should stay in your office job like that's much more stable and then he went on to have this huge hit and i just think that's kind of cool that he was able to pursue what he wanted to do and he'll be forever known as, you know, the guy who sang Take Me Home Tonight. Now, if you're thinking that Eddie Money was a one hit wonder, don't forget, he also sang the song Two Tickets to Paradise, which is another pretty famous song. I looked on Spotify last night and Take Me Home Tonight has 70 million streams and Two Tickets to Paradise has 35 million streams. And I assume that oh. those will just continue to go up, you know, since the news of his passing came about last week. So those are pretty those are pretty good songs to leave behind. Yeah, I would say so. All right, our last snack bag topic here is, it's not really pop culture, but I saw it, and it was going to be my teaser, then I thought of another teaser, so I thought I would just bring it up here. There was a student in Florida, and at his school, they had a wear your favorite college t-shirt day, and this this student did not have a t-shirt from the school that he wanted to wear. It was the University of Tennessee, and so he asked his teacher, can I make a shirt? Can I make something that says University of Tennessee and wear that instead? So the student did and was unfortunately bullied the, the next day. Why? Because the student said it looks cheap. You know, you made that at, at home. It's not real. And so the, the, the student was very upset. Aww. So the teacher posted about this on, on Facebook or something like that after she, you know, sort of disciplined the, the people who were bullying. And word got to the University of Tennessee and they decided to make the student's design that he made into a real t-shirt which then was sold and then some of the pro like half the proceeds went to anti-bullying foundations and the first day it was available it sold out like Aww, like crazy what a nice story so they sent uh, you know the the student a care package with a bunch of University of Tennessee stuff they sent him his design and they've now offered 
the student a scholarship to go oh to school there gosh. and he's only in elementary school so <gasps> oh, he's little i he's thought he little. was in high school so why were other elementary school kids bullying him about his t-shirt because kids can be mean i but, can't but it I has can't. a it has a really nice ending and i thought this is just a really cool story that it's not really pop culture but it did spread via social media so i thought it's peripherally pop culture and i thought it would be fun to share that story it has a great ending and, you know, I think it just goes to show you that bullying doesn't win and it's a terrible thing. And this this student now has a T-shirt that he designed pretty much. I don't know if he will eventually get a cut of the profits as well. That would be a nice thing, too. But, you know, the, the shirt sold out. He's going to go to the University of Tennessee if he wants to go there, which is a really cool story. That's so awesome. All right. Should we move into our premier topic for this week? Yes. As promised last week. We're going to talk about the pilot of Lost, which premiered 15 years ago on September 22nd, 2004. Must have been at about 40,000 feet when it happened. In an air pocket. Dropped. But we crashed a thousand miles off course. They're looking for us in the wrong place. Stranded on an island. No one's coming for us. This place is different. We all know it. We all feel it. So just a little background on the show before we dive into a couple of questions that we're going to discuss. The show was created by Damon Lindelof, J.J. Abrams, and Jeffrey Lieber, the latter of whom left the show before it even really started. He wrote an original pilot script. The network ABC didn't like it, but they ended up keeping some of the original ideas. And then J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof came in and sort of spiced it up a little bit. Then another guy, Carlton Cuse, came on board and took over showrunning duties with Damon Lindelof. The show ran for six seasons and 121 episodes, and its first season took home the Emmy for Best Drama Series. It was nominated for Best Drama three more times in its run. The show starred Matthew Fox, Evangeline Lilly, Terry O'Quinn, Josh Holloway, Naveen Andrews, Jorge Garcia, Yunjin Kim, Daniel Day Kim, Maggie Grace, Ian Summerholder, Dominic Moynihan, Harold Perrineau and Emily DeRaven, among many, many others, has a huge cast, but those are some of the main characters on the show. It was one of the most popular shows of its time. I looked when I was doing some research for this podcast, and it looked like the season premiere of season two had 23 million viewers, which is pretty good in 2005 when that happened. It was so popular at the time. So many shows since then have tried to replicate the blend of character drama and mystery, but so far nothing has really come close to having sort of like the cultural zeitgeist that this show had. And a fun fact about the casting for the show, the character of Jack, who we meet in the very first episode in the two-part pilot, he appears to be the main character. He is a doctor, he was originally supposed to be played by Michael Keaton. No, that would have been horrible. Well, this was when, in the pilot, the character of Jack was going to be killed off at the very end of the first half of the pilot. And Michael Keaton was like, no thanks, I'm not going to no, be No, no, Michael off. Keaton was going to do that. That was the only reason he was going to do it. Oh. Because he would have been killed off, and then he wouldn't have had to have a commitment on a TV show. But they decided to rewrite the script and they didn't end up going that direction. And so Matthew Fox was cast instead as Jack. But 
they were going to have him do like a full press tour and make it seem like he was going to be on the show. And then they were really going to like pull the rug out from the audience. Kind of like Ned Stark. Kind of like Ned Stark. Spoiler, Maureen. Spoiler for Game of Thrones. Sorry. Yeah. Similar to that. Although he wouldn't have lasted quite as long as Ned Stark did. All right. So with that background out of the way, I want to talk through a couple questions. The first thing is just both of our impressions, overall impressions of the pilot 15 years after it premiered. Like, do you think it still holds up? Is it still interesting? So I want to hear your perspective first, because this is not something you watched at the time, or you may have seen it once once upon a time. No, I never watched it. And when I never even saw the pilot. If I saw the pilot, it was like after it was like four or five years later and my family got okay. my family, Kevin and Kathy and my mom all got really into Lost. I mean, like it was so bad that we were like on family vacations and I'd be like, where's my mom? And she'd be like hiding in the bedroom with her headphones and her computer watching the Lost. I think it was on DVD at the time. Yeah. And I'd be like, mom, like come be with the family. She's like, I just need to finish this episode. So like they were all obsessed. I just couldn't get into it. I may have watched one or two episodes. Maybe I watched the pilot, but if I did, it it wasn't when it was happening. So now my take is, uh, I mean, it's fine. It, it doesn't seem super old. It doesn't seem like 15 years old. I would say that like, it's not like the effects are like really, really horrible or, you, you could know. see this being on today. Like it, yeah. like it would hold up in that sense. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a little hokey for me. Like there are some some like lines that you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like there's the classic hero and there's the classic like loser and there's the classic idiot girl and there's, you know, there's a lot of like archetypes. But again, we only watched the two pilot episodes. So I'm sure that all of these characters will be further unpacked. But from a pilot standpoint, it knows what it is and it's not hiding that. So I have gone on record before with in conversations with friends, and I think I might have even said it on another podcast before, but I used to say that I thought the Lost pilot was one of the best pilots that I've seen. Do you still think that? You know, after rewatching it now, I wouldn't say it's one of the best pilots. It is very good. And I've gone on record also by saying that I think pilots are one of the hardest things to pull off well, because you have to establish so much. You have to move the plot forward. You have to establish some characters, but you have to do it all in this condensed time period, because if you don't do enough, no one's going to come back for the next week. And so I think pilots are a little different nowadays that we're on streaming services. But this was at a time when you had to get someone to come back a week later, where DVR wasn't really a thing. I mean, it might have been in its nascent stages, but it really wasn't a thing at the time. So you had to get people to commit week after week for 24 or 25 episodes. there was not as much competition. Like there, you know, it wasn't like there's 10 things streaming all at once and everything has I mean, like almost now I feel like like I'll talk to friends at work about shows they're watching. I've never even heard of half of them. And like they swear by them. Like there's almost too much out there that's like trending. Whereas I think when Lost hit the scene 15 years ago, again, I think I kind of missed this because it happened when I was in college and we didn't really have TV. This wasn't the age of Netflix. I'm old. And so we kind of were in this little college bubble like without having TV in our dorm room. So I didn't, I wasn't part of that. But I think that that's when, you know, my brother was watching and my family got really into it. And I think that it was one of those things that it was like one of the water cooler shows. Like you would talk about it on my, did you see Lost? Because it was one of the top five at least top 10 shows. So the pilot must have made a big enough splash to do that. Yeah, I do think, though, that even though we have a bunch of streaming shows now, if the first episode is not good, you're not going to come back. You know, so I feel like you have to hook people no matter what 
streaming platform they're using or traditional platform they're using. If the show is not good, then you're not going to come back. Yeah, now I feel like you had like a couple. I feel like now if it's like if in the first 30 minutes it's not good, people are going to turn it off. I feel like 15 years ago you maybe had like three or four episodes before people would give up on it. Okay, so I do think that this pilot holds up. I think that it has a lot of good moments. I think that they do a really good amount of character work for multiple characters within you know, the first hour and a half of screen time that this show gets. So I do think in that sense that it does hold up. I, I will say that, you know, they the original pilot had really no mystery, had no sort of... What? That's like the whole thing now. Yeah, and, and this pilot, the one that they ended up shooting and airing, has a lot of like the mysterious stuff. Who is this monster in, in the woods? Why is there a polar bear on the island? You know, what's going on? What's, you know, who's this mysterious transmission they're hearing? So I think that was something that J.J. Abrams came in and gave a lot to the show because that's sort of his thing, like this mysterious supernatural stuff. Stuff. And isn't that the whole shtick of Lost? Like, isn't it that- is? It is. But the thing that's interesting about the show, and this is this transitions nicely into our second question, which is, what do we think the good of the pilot is? And then we'll talk about what we think the bad is. And you've already touched on a little bit of the the hokiness of it. it might be your bad, but one of the things that I think is so good about the show, and that I think happens even in the two pilot episodes we see, it, it ran as one two hour block when it when it premiered in two thousand four, is that. Yes, it does have a lot of elements of mystery. It has a lot of sort of supernatural things that come about. But when you look at the show at its core, it really is about characters and how they interact with each other and and how they deal with each other in hard situations. And one of the things that the show does really well is starting in the third episode, so after the two pilots, they start doing flashbacks for different characters. So you really start to see who these people were before their life on the island. And you start to realize that Jack as a hero is not necessarily the traditional hero. And then, you know, one of the the other main characters, Kate, has, you know, you find out that she was under arrest. You don't know what for. But it's clear that they're trying to subvert some of the expectations. So I do think that, yes, initially it looks like Jack is going to be this all-American hero. Kate is going to be this sort of pure love interest. But when you dig a little deeper, and I think that this is what the show is, does really well, these characters have a lot more to them than than meets the eye initially. I, do you ever, maybe not because you watched the show, but like I watched the pilot and I felt a little impatient. Like I felt like, oh my gosh, they're going to drag out these like mysteries for freaking ever. And that was, that's it's a little like frustrating to me. And I don't know if it's because like, I know it lasts six seasons or it's just more like I'm watching it and I have so many questions and I know that they're not going to give me the answers anytime soon. And it almost makes me feel like I don't want to get too invested because it's going to take a freaking long time before I get any answers. Well, I do think that that is not a, not a wrong assessment because they didn't give answers to everything. They gave answers to some things and they gave answers that people didn't like to other things. But you're right. There are certain things that they establish in the first season that they'd really never come back to. And that's unfortunate. But I think, again, when you look at the show more as a character drama, as why are these people all together on this in this place, to, you know, and what does that mean for them as people? That is where the show is really interesting for me. And I think that the pilot establishes that really well. You get a couple of smaller flashbacks to the plane before it crashes. 
onto this island. And I think that that is where you sort of start to establish some of that real character building. Also, just just for anyone listening who who may not know this term, because I didn't until I started dating Josh, I don't think, but we are referring to the pilot as like the first episode of a series. Like the, It's like the tester episode that they make to then pitch to networks to see if it, it will get picked up. I just think that's worth clarifying because in this, it is about a plane crash and there is a pilot oh, as yeah, a character a too. That's so we are talking about the pilot of the show, just in case there's any other novices like me out there who may not know that term. I will say that this was the most expensive pilot for a sh- for a show at the time, it cost twelve million dollars to make, which was a shut up, which was a huge commitment for oh my for the gosh. you know the whole show was shot in Hawaii. They had to bring an entire seven forty seven onto the island to serve as a set, and they filmed the entire thing outside. So you know you didn't have the advantage of being on a soundstage or anything like that. They were filming in the elements, so they kind of had what they had. Plus, they had a cast of like se- seventy people with extras and 15 people who are in the main cast. I want to go back to something you said about you being impatient. And I think that's something that we're conditioned to now, because if you look at a season of TV now, it's 10 episodes, it's 13 episodes at most. You're not really seeing shows that are 22 or 24 episodes. Yeah. And that's how it used to be on network TV. So the first season of Lost is 25 episodes. If this show were made today, it would be 10 episodes and you would probably cut through a lot of the fat and get to the meat of the of the story a little bit faster. Now, I do think that they do a lot of good stuff in the first season, but you're just not seeing that anymore. I mean, there are network shows that do that, but the most popular critically acclaimed shows are 10 episodes, eight episodes even sometimes. So, you know, you're not as impatient when you start a new show. The other thing that I want to say about the good about this this show 15 years later is there is a tremendous amount of diversity in the cast, yeah. which is pretty great to see. And it wasn't something that was typical, I think, in, in shows back then to have a to have an ensemble of people that really looks like what the United States looks like. And I thought that was kind of interesting that they were able to do that even 15 years ago even though now is the time when people are really starting to speak up about it. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the bad of the of the pilot episode? No, I mean it's not bad. They have it's a pot, it's it's an introduction so that at some point they have to establish it. They have to like create these characters. Uh okay, nope, I have one more thing. Did we really need the shot of Kate bathing in the ocean with I mean she has a slamming body. She is absolutely beautiful, but it's like this token like she's in her bra and underwear like bathing in the water. Mm. I, I thought mean, the, I thought the same thing. Like when we, when we it was saw a little again. egregious. Yeah, I, I will say I think that they could have pulled back on like the monster aspect of it. They they have a couple of scenes where like they're running from this mysterious thing that you can't see, and it just didn't hold up quite as well when I watched it again. Now I can see if you're watching it for the first time in 2004 and you have no idea what the show's going to be and you have no idea how long it's going to run or, or really anything about it that hasn't been memefied or anything like that. You might be more interested in that, but watching it 15 years later, I was kind of like the monster thing is just I, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me well, this time. Well, I mean it wasn't a monster, it was a polar bear. Well, there is a polar bear, but that's different than the monster. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit muddied in that first episode. Again, I know they're establishing a lot, but that was one of the things for me that, that was sort of like, eh, they could have done that a little bit better. Okay, I have something else that didn't hold up well or probably didn't hold up well then. So they have a plane crash, and then there are survivors. But there are some survivors whose scars are like 
very beautifully placed. Yeah, like Jack has like two perfectly parallel lines on his upper cheekbone and like two perfectly parallel lines, like like scratches on his like lower other cheek. One guy has like, who clearly is going to be a bad guy. Am I right on this? So Maureen's referring to the character of Locke, John Locke. He has one long scar coming across his eye. And yeah, you're like, okay. He's like, not a bad guy, but he, you learn later in the show that he is... A man of faith. He he believes that this all happened for a reason. And Jack is a man of science. He's a doctor. His character is a doctor. He believes that it happened because of specific scientific reasons. And so they clash as characters because mm. of their different viewpoints. So I wouldn't say he's bad necessarily, but he definitely does oppose the person that they place in the hero role. Yeah. So anyway, I, I don't know. The wounds... Are not super realistic. Come on, makeup department. You could have done a better job. More realistic wounds. Yeah. Come on. They were working with $12 million. They could have done something better. They could have. All right. So to wrap this up, if anybody hasn't seen Lost, would you recommend the pilot? Would you be interested in watching more? Lost is not a show I want to watch on like a Sunday afternoon while I'm like relaxing during Caleb's nap. Like it's, it's not a show that like makes me feel good or like, you know, pumps me up or even just lets you take a mental break it's a show that is kind of like a a mental thriller and it's a little bit you know on the darker side of exposing some of humanity's more negative human traits you know like people fighting with each other and it's like it's a little bit lord of the flies like you're like you see this coming you know so i think that if you are into thrillers if you like suspense that you should definitely check out lost um and if that's not your jam then maybe skip this one I will say that I, I will definitely recommend this, and but but that's also knowing kind of what happens throughout the whole series. I would recommend it even though I know that the series finale, at the time when I watched it, wasn't the most amazing thing I'd so ever I seen. So I asked Josh, you guys, before in between part one and part two of the pilots, I was like, okay, you watched the whole thing. Did the series finale on a scale of one to 10, 10 being it, it was amazingly satisfying, like how did it shape up for you? And you said six? I said a six, yeah. I, I would have to go back and watch it again. Where was Game of Thrones? That was low. That was maybe lower than six, four and a half, okay. five. All right. Yeah, I think the thing with Lost is there are some some. I think the first season is one of the best seasons of television that I've ever watched, just as a whole, just the character development that it does. And there's an episode in season four which may be one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. And if you look at lists of best episodes of all time, it's consistently ranked towards the top. But that is only the case if you have watched the show because you come to know some of the characters that are referenced in that in that episode. So I would recommend the show, but do go in knowing that all the mysteries and all the things that they set up in the first season, they're not all answered. But I think if you watch it from a perspective of that doesn't really matter, that's sort of peripheral to the character drama, to finding out why these people are all together and how they're able to be redeemed. I think that's what makes the show so interesting. All right, let's go to our teasers. Maureen, what is your teaser for this week? So my teaser is Late Night. Josh and I just watched this movie. It is on Amazon Prime, and it is with Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. It's really funny. She's a Emma Thompson is like a, you know, in her 50s kind of washing up late night host it's cool that she's a woman and Mindy Kaling plays one of her writers this is a classic like romantic comedy kind of without the like love story plot as much I give it three and a half four out of five stars and I think it's a neat watch on a Friday night yeah if you have Amazon Prime it's it's streaming there this is one of those things where I just don't 
like I don't know why people would go to the theaters to see this movie. And I hate saying that because it did come out in theaters a couple months ago, but it was bought by Amazon. And so I knew it was going to come to Amazon Prime at some point. I hate saying that because I really feel like this is the kind of movie we should support in theaters. It's directed by a woman. It's written by Mindy Kaling. It stars women. It's it's really good to push that forward. But it's hard to think about this is the kind of movie I could watch on my couch. So you think about seeing movies in theaters based on like what optics you need to see on a big screen. I think about seeing movies in theaters based on what I want to like treat myself to on a night out. So like if I was going to a movie with girlfriends, I would have totally seen this in theaters for like a fun rom-com night out. I don't think about like visual effects when I'm going to the movies. I guess that makes sense. But but you did not go see this movie in theaters. No, because I only go see movies in theaters with you, really. And right. But but that's the point. Like you didn't go out of your way seeing this movie was in theaters and say, I got to get my girlfriends together and go have a night out because this is something I have to see in theaters. It was one of those things that I think we both saw and we're like, we'd love to see that. But I could wait until it comes out. I think it also is in a little bit of like a middle ground. It's not a traditional romantic comedy. So it doesn't have that like total love story vibe, which may have propelled me to go see it in theaters because I just couldn't wait. Like Nicholas Sparks movies have been like that for me. Like, you know, they're probably going to be kind of bad, but like you're just so excited to see them. This one was a little bit more like it's not a romantic comedy, but it's not a drama in any way. So I don't know. It was kind of in like no man's land. So I think that may have hurt it a little bit in terms of people going to see it in theaters. My teaser for this week is a short documentary piece that first aired on ESPN in 2011. And I was reminded of it this week because the subject matter is about September 11th, which we just observed this past week, the 18th anniversary of that very tragic day. But this is a piece called The Man in the Red Bandana. What would you do in the last hour of your life? Where would you be? Who would remember it? What would it look like? Maybe it would look like this. A symbol of absolutely the most pure form of compassion and love. No greater love hath one than to lay down his life for his fellow man. It's all right here in this red band. I showed this to Maureen last year. I shared it with my dad recently as well. I think last year as well. And it's about, it's a story that is about this guy who was a trader on Wall Street when the September 11th attacks happened. And he basically became a hero. He saved, I think, 12 people from the building who would not have otherwise made it out. And the reason it aired on ESPN is because he was a lacrosse player. He played at Boston College. And the only reason he was identified after the fact, because he did die in the attacks, was because he wore this red bandana that his dad had given him when he was he was really young. And he always carried it with him. So the people who he saved recognized this red bandana. It got reported in the New York Times, and his family was able to know that he was this hero. And the piece is really moving. It was a really nice thing to revisit on September 11th. I, I follow someone on Twitter who posts about it every year. That's why I was reminded about it. And so it's only 12 minutes long. It's definitely worth a watch. I will post a link to it in the show notes, but it's really well done. And it just goes to show you that even in times of tragedy, there are heroes, there are 
good people out there. And so I think that's important to remember. Okay, that will do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. And I want to say that our episode next week is going to be about the Emmys, which are on Sunday night. Maureen is not sure if she's going to join me for the the recap as soon as the Emmys It would be finishes. like at 1130 or midnight. So, so it might just be me on that part of the podcast, but I will bring you some coverage of the Emmys for your Monday morning commute so that when you get to work, you're able to talk intelligently about the Emmys case you didn't I'm watch gonna be it like josh's quick take yeah i can do a quick take on sort of the night the winners the host i don't think there is a host so sort of whatever entertainment value they offer and that will be coming at you next week so thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you then you can leave us feedback comments or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast we would love to hear from you you can also reach us by emailing the poppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. As a small nitpick in the pilot, they mention it one time, but basically all these people are stranded. Their plane crashes. They're stranded on a beach in like a jungle. They would be sunburned to the point of no return. They're all just sitting on the beach. And at one point, somebody says, do you have any sunscreen? She's like, oh, I do. And they never mention it again. Like, that is one thing that I have kept thinking about. Like, are they making shade for themselves? Are they trying to? I mean, they don't talk about water. They have. They didn't talk about fresh water once. Maybe Maureen should have been a co-writer so that she could have <laughs> written every other line. Someone's like, um, where'd that sunscreen go? <laughs> no. Anybody have that sunscreen? I just mean that it's very interesting to me that they're all just like laying around on the beach. Maybe it's because you've made me watch so much Survivor, but like I just know that they should be trying to build a shelter and they should be trying to make a fire 